Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing home and assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Steve Heisler is the creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center and has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 20 years. You have questions, and Steve Heisler has answers. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center. I am also the host of this podcast, the Injured Senior Podcast, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. As you know, I am passionate about educating the injured senior and elderly population about dangers that are posed to all of you. So one of them, and the subject matter of today's podcast, is C. diff. There's a long name for it, and it's actually pronounced Clostridium difficile, but I've been informed by today's guest that that no longer is the name. He's going to tell you what the name is, but for all intents and purposes, from this point on, we're going to continue to refer to it as C. diff. Now, one thing you need to know from the get-go is that C. diff is a disease that is a major risk for the aging population. Uh, according to the CDC, it has been responsible for more deaths in the USA than any other intestinal infection. Now, an article appeared several years ago in Aging Well magazine, and the article was titled Combating Clostridium Difficile. And I'm uh, stating from the article here, Patients of advanced age with antibiotic exposure, GI surgery, long institutional stays, or serious underlying illnesses are at an increased risk of acquiring this bacterial infection. So today we have Dr. John Casconi. I like to refer to affectionately as Dr. John. Dr. John is the Injured Senior Podcast resident infectious disease expert. And I asked Dr. John to come on the podcast today to educate us about C. diff. How are you, Dr. John? I'm doing well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there, pandemic notwithstanding. I'm still waiting for baseball to come back, but I don't know if that's coming back anytime soon. Anyway, so just to recap, in case you're not familiar with Dr. John, he was on an earlier episode on sepsis, which if you go to our archives and listen to that episode, you will be much more informed and much more educated about the dangers of sepsis. But we are here today to talk about C. diff. Dr. John is a board-certified internal medicine doctor and an infectious disease doctor. So he knows what he's talking about. He's based out of Joplin, Missouri. So let's get right to it, Dr. John. Can you tell our listeners what C. diff is? Yes. So C. diff refers to the, the organism that formerly was identified as 
Clostridium difficile. The name changed a few years back, uh, I think just to make things complicated for us, to Clostridioides difficile. So the organism, and, and as we'll refer to it as C. diff, is essentially an organism that resides in our bowel, and it is a spore-forming organism, meaning within the gut, it exists as a bacteria that produces toxin um, that leads to the, the, the diarrhea that we'll talk about in a bit. Outside of the gut, it converts to a spore, and um, that spore is very hardy, difficult to kill, and uh, difficult to get rid of, which leads to the significant uh, risk of, of transmission that occurs. Now, I'm not exactly an expert on medical terminology, but can you explain for me and for our, our uh, injured senior community what a spore is? A spore is essentially a non-replicating form of an organism, meaning it, it is a hibernation type of a, uh, of a, of a um, existence. So the, the organism is no longer replicating. And the way antibiotics work in killing bacteria is typically bacteria have to be dividing and uh, increasing in number. And so a spore is a vegetative state that is highly resistant and impermeable to antibiotics. Okay, so it's, uh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous and, and very contagious. Okay, and we're going to get into that in a moment. But can you tell the injured senior community what a bacterial infection is as opposed to a viral infection or any other type of infection? Sure. So an infection refers to the invasion of an organism in a normally sterile site that leads to inflammation and disease. In this case, we're talking about the bowel, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a sterile site, but it has to, um, that organism has to lead to some degree of inflammation and subsequent infection, whether it be a bacterial etiology or a viral etiology, the end result is inflammation of tissues, disruption of tissues, and symptoms. Right. And the affected organism is the colon? No, the effective organ is the colon. So that is a, I said originally a sterile site. That is a non-sterile site, uh, the, the colon, but the organism leads to inflammation within that site. All right, so the spore or the C. diff is what causes the inflammation in the colon. Yeah, so, so the way that works is C. diff is outside of the bowel, okay, is a spore. Within the bowel itself, okay, C. diff is a replicating organism. It's a bacteria, okay. And the way C. diff causes colitis with diarrhea is it's not the, 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 the bug itself, if you will. It is the toxin that is produced from the C. difficile, okay? It produces two toxins, toxin A and toxin B, and in certain cases can produce a third toxin called the binary toxin. Those toxins are poisonous to the lining of the gut, okay? And they cause the gut to get inflamed, to leak water, and leads to diarrhea and all types of other manifestations of the illness. So diarrhea is, is that the main symptom of C. diff? Yes. So to have C. diff colitis, okay, or C. diff infection, colitis being infection of colon, you have to have diarrhea. 
if there's no diarrhea, then you do not have C. diff infection. You may still have C. diff in the bowel, okay, and up to 20% of people who are hospitalized and 50% of people who reside in long-term care facilities, if you check their stool, will have C. diff present. But unless the patient has diarrhea, there's no evidence of, there's no infection. So you have to have the diarrhea to have the infection. And a good rule of thumb for diarrhea is if the stool can no longer hold up a popsicle stick. So if it can't hold up the stick, then that is considered diarrhea by definition. You don't treat, not to jump too far ahead, but you don't treat C. diff in the bowel if there's no diarrhea because there's no infection. You have to have the diarrhea. So if there's no diarrhea, but there is C. diff in, in the bowel, then it's kind of laying dormant or it's there and uh, can lead to an infection? It's there. It can lead to uh, transmission, but there's no indication you don't treat that. And really, you shouldn't be testing form stool for C. diff in the first place. You should only perform C. diff studies or C. diff la laboratory on stool to check for C. diff in the presence of diarrhea. Okay. So if you're in a nursing home or if you have diarrhea, there's always a possibility that it's C. diff. We're going to get more into this. What, what exactly is the cause, in your opinion, of uh, C. diff? The primary cause of C. diff is, the, is, is antibiotics, okay? And antibiotics used to treat other infections. In any antibiotic administration, even one dose can cause C. diff. And sometimes that's a, um, it's an unfortunate event when antibiotics are used appropriately. Okay. But if antibiotics to treat, say, a urinary tract infection or pneumonia are used inappropriately, then it increases the risk of C. diff. And that's what's caused this, this rise uh, of C. difficile colitis or C. difficile infections uh, in, in this country. Um, over the last 10 to 15 years. The appropriate use of antibiotics requires that a BB gun be used as opposed to a shotgun. So the most specific antibiotic to kill that infection, say a urinary tract infection, to, to treat that, I should say, and for an appropriate duration. For instance, a urinary tract infection should be treated for three days. So if antibiotics are used that are too broad spectrum and are used for a long period of time, longer than what is indicated, it increases one's risk of getting C. diff colitis. But isn't there a recognized protocol for how many days somebody should be taking antibiotics for urinary tract infection? Why would they be treated for more than the recommended uh, protocol? Well, I'm not sure why, but there are recommended protocols. And in fact, the whole shift of infectious disease has been uh, less antibiotic or more specific antibiotic for a shorter duration. We're finding that, for instance, pneumonia, five days of treatment is adequate, no longer 10 to 14 days. There are guidelines, the Infectious Disease Society of America up to date, there are medical guidelines out there that tell us um, how to treat infections, what antibiotics to use, and for the duration. There's no indication um, and there's no reason to use anything longer than three to five days at the upper end of it for a simple urinary tract infection. Thank you, Dr. John. So the Aging Well article that I referred to earlier also mentions weakened immune system, long institutional stays, 
GI surgery is other causes of C. diff. In other words, if you don't have diarrhea, but you had a bad result from GI surgery, or you stay in a nursing home and have been there a long time, or your immune system is weakened, is that something that without diarrhea would not make the doctors even consider that it's C. diff? No, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't treat you for C. diff without diarrhea, and they shouldn't really even be finding C. diff because there's no reason to do stool studies looking for it when the stool is formed. But certainly, C. diff colitis is the diarrhea, but certainly those risk factors that you mentioned can lead to the C. diff colitis, not only the advanced age, but uh, in antibiotic use, but hospitalization, chemotherapy, uh, inflammatory bowel disease are all risk factors. And then most people in those situations are on antibiotics, so all of it together creates the perfect storm, correct? It, it creates the perfect storm. It sure does. And, and that's why you want to be vigilant in um, using antibiotics judiciously and not over-prescribing them and keeping patients out of harm's way when they don't need to be there. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you, Dr. John. So how dangerous is C. diff? What can be expected in a mild case of C. diff or as opposed to a severe case of C. diff? Well, the mortality of C. diff has a lot to do with the, um, the underlying condition of the patient. As we get older, we typically have more comorbid illnesses. We have other, we're on other medications. We have other, other uh, uh, disease processes that are being treated, and that increases our risk for a bad outcome with C. diff. Taken as a whole, C. diff can have a mortality of upwards 16 to 20%. And of course, if you're sick with other illnesses, that mortality can go up even higher. The way C. diff presents, as we've talked about, it's diarrhea, but it can also be worsening symptoms just other than diarrhea, and that is abdominal distension, fever, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain or cramping. And if C. diff gets bad, C. diff colitis gets bad enough, it can actually shut the entire gut down and patients no longer have bowel movements. Okay, so it can lead to constipation on the far end of the spectrum. And keep going from there. What can happen if not adequately dealt with? What can be the consequences from that point on? Sure. So, well, the consequences of that, first and foremost, patients can become dehydrated from the diarrhea, losing uh, volume, salt and water that's passed through the stool. So dehydration, sepsis can certainly uh, occur as a result of the inflammation in the colon and then multi-organ failure. Um, and as mentioned, in 15 to 20% of patients, death. That's really scary. One out of five people with C. diff are going to die. It's, it's very scary. Yeah. So I'll ask you to comment on that in a bit, but I just want to ask you, Dr. John, seniors and the elderly, are they the highest at risk part of the American population or world population and why, if that's the case? They are the highest population, they, pardon me, they are the population that is at highest risk for acquiring C. diff, and they are the population that is at highest risk for a bad outcome. 
And why that is, is because the older we get, we typically have multiple other medical problems that impair our ability to fight infection. We're typically on more medications that impair our ability to fight infection. And our our overall ability to um, to overcome is reduced as we get older. We become more vulnerable, which, again, puts the onus on the healthcare provider to make sure that patients are appropriately diagnosed and treated and not overprescribe antibiotics um, so as to reduce the incidence of C. diff in our elderly patients. Okay, and you know, looked at the uh, Aging Well article, and it says that it's most prevalent in senior care facilities, nursing homes. Is that because you've got a lot of people that are very close to each other? And what what is it about senior care facilities or nursing homes that increase the risk of contracting C. diff? So in, in senior care facilities, what increases the risk of contracting C. diff in those areas? or those facilities is one, antibiotics are prescribed to other patients in the facility. So if there's antibiotics prescribed in the play, in, in the facility where you live, okay, it impacts the um, the risk of other patients getting C. diff and then you contracting it from somebody else. So just being close to people, that's the primary primary cause, just being close to others who are getting antibiotics and, and potentially could get C. diff and pass it to you. Got it. But you don't see C. diff in little kids in nursery school or in school because, again, it's the weakened immune system and all the aging. That is primarily what makes the senior and elderly population more susceptible. It's the uh, the weakened immune system and the co population more at risk for getting C. diff and for having a bad outcome. Interesting about kids, the reason you don't see C. diff in in infants and nurseries is because they don't have the receptors for the toxin to bind to and cause the inflammation. So they still have C. diff. In fact, some people think they're reservoirs of C. diff, but they don't get C. diff colitis because the toxin is ineffective in them. It doesn't work. And they're probably not being uh, prescri- over-prescribed antibiotics either, like our seniors and elderly population are. Exactly. The, the way, if, if you look at a, of a gut, okay, it is populated with millions and billions of organisms, okay, bacteria, that for the most part help us have a nice, healthy bowel, okay? And the bacteria also keep the bad bacteria at day, okay, and C. difficile is one of those bad bacteria. When somebody is prescribed antibiotics for a urinary tract infection or pneumonia, that antibiotic, not only does it kill the bacteria causing the urinary tract infection or pneumonia, but it also kills all the good bacteria in the gut. And when the good bacteria are, are, are killed, then the bad bacteria like C. diff are allowed to start repopulating and then cause colitis and diarrhea. So would you advise our listeners to begin taking probiotics as a way to increase the good bacteria in the gut? The the jury really is out on probiotics, and I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it. I'm not sure it's going to provide you with the benefit, but um, certainly keeping the gut populated with good bacteria will be a benefit. The primary thing our elderly patients should do is when their doctor 
prescribes them an antibiotic, they should inquire and make sure that the physician is giving them the right antibiotic for the right duration. And shorter is better than longer when it comes to duration. Well, that, that's some good information, Dr. John, because I've got elderly parents, and when they tell me that they've been prescribed antibiotics, I just say, okay, well, take them and do what your doctor says. I don't inquire as to what antibiotic they were recommended or prescribed, and I don't ask them how long it was prescribed for. So I think our listeners out there should be very vigilant in getting that information and when they get that information, how do they know whether it's over prescription or not? Well, it's it's hard to know as as a as a lay person, but certainly starting the, the dialogue with your provider should force him to think about his decision and the antibiotic that he's using and um, using for the right duration. Some of the antibiotics that are are really notorious are levofloxacin or levoquin or ciprofloxacin. Um, these high-powered antibiotics really do a number, if you will, on the gut, on the, on the normal flora, the good bacteria in the gut, and um, cause uh, a severe bouts of C. diff colitis. So you just, it's, it's important to, to always be inquisitive, to always ask your providers and take nothing for granted when they prescribe antibiotics. I think they're probably the most overused and inappropriately used of all the drug classes out there that physicians use, that physicians prescribe. So Dr. John, what are nursing homes and senior care facilities, what are they doing to address the problem of overuse of antibiotics? So there's been a real um, push, and rightly so, for antimicrobial stewardship in long-term care facilities and in hospitals. And antimicrobial stewardship essentially is somebody such as an infectious disease physician overseeing the use of antibiotics in a facility and making sure the antibiotics are used for an, for an appropriate diagnosis, that the antibiotic prescribed is a narrow spectrum as opposed to a broad spectrum, and the antibiotic prescribed is, is prescribed for an appropriate duration. That push with regards to the use of antibiotics appropriately um, really has done uh, wonders to reduce the incidence of C. diff. The other things nursing homes do and should do is good hand hygiene because the alcohol-based uh, uh, solution that you, you rub on your hands, that does not kill C. diff. You need to wash your hands with soap and water for two minutes. And in fact, the soap and water do, does not kill the C. diff. What it does is the mechanical action that gets the spores off of the hands and isolating patients who have it. So if you're in a, in a long-term care facility and your roommate has C. diff, you should be isolated from, your roommate should be isolated from you because there's a risk of him giving it, him or her giving it to you. And uh, wouldn't disinfection of hospital rooms on a consistent basis and healthcare providers wearing gowns and gloves, would they also be part of the protocol? Those are important preventive measures that um, that are used. And, and the contact isolation when a patient has C. diff, it requires just that, gown and glove and throw away stethoscope so that the spores don't get on your stethoscope and you pass to another patient. In addition, room disinfecting is an important measure. But the spores, as I mentioned, are very hardy. And, and even the best disinfection of a room 
is not always um, um, adequate. In fact, studies have shown that if the patient in the room before you had C. diff, you are more likely to acquire C. diff during your stay in that room at a later date. That is mind-blowing. That is really, really scary. Yeah. Even if it's been disinfected or even if all the protocols that you just mentioned are adhered to? Yes, sir. Yes. Now, some of that may depend on if the, um, if the protocols were adhered to correctly, but even the best protocols cannot eradicate the spore. So that room poses a risk for the next patient. Wow. So let me ask you this, Dr. John. If somebody is demonstrating symptoms of C. diff, is there a standard test that they should be given or what exactly is the test that is being utilized by the medical community to see if they have C. diff? So we do what's called a PCR or a NAT test, N-A-A-T, um, which looks for the toxin in the, in the gut. And um, that is the, uh, the standard test that we, that we use. Well, how reliable is it? It's very reliable. And if it's present, you have it. If it's not present, you don't have it. Okay. So do they just take a stool sample? Is that what they do? And then just put it under the microscope or whatever? They take a stool sample. It has to be a diarrheal stool sample. So it's got to be, it has to be diarrhea. And then they, they run a, um, a chemical test on it, which um, looks for um, the production of toxin. Uh, in, in, in the diarrheal stool. How reliable is it? it again, it's very reliable. Uh, back when I was in training, there was a different test involved, and we had to do three of them to make sure that the negatives were actually real negatives. But the nucleic acid amplification test, or NAT, um, the other would be a PCR, these specialized tests looking for genes and toxin production are, um, are very good and very reliable. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate that information. So what about treatments? What would be the gold star treatment for somebody with C. diff? Believe it or not, it's antibiotics. And um, the antibiotics we use are oral antibiotics, vancomycin or fidaxomycin. Vancomycin is the um, first choice. It is um, orally given, given by mouth. And um, what it does is it stays within the gut. It does not get absorbed into the systemic system. It stays within the gut and it is specific for killing the C. difficile bacteria within the bowel. And that, that is the treatment. It's 10 to 14 days. Sometimes you can be prescribed vancomycin for a longer period of time if you're on other antibiotics to treat another infection. Sometimes they have to overlap. But typically, it's 10 to 14 days of vancomycin orally. So while antibiotics are the problem, the reason that people are, the main reason why people are getting C. diff, it's also the solution. And you're saying that vancomycin can be used up to 14 days, but I know you said earlier that if your doctor prescribes any type of uh, antibiotic for over five days, to be wary of that. But the exception, at least for the purpose of this podcast, is that take the vancomycin for as long as they tell you, or uh, is there a problem with that as well? It's an interesting, interesting point you raised. This is the one exception 
where the standard of care, or this is the one exception I should say, where the recommendation is 10 to 14 days of oral vancomycin to treat C. diff colitis. Got it. Let me ask you this. For individuals who have severe C. diff and the antibiotics, the vancomycin is not working, I have read that fecal transplants are one of the additional types of treatments that they can get. Can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yes. Fecal transplants are actually a very effective treatment for C. diff colitis. What fecal transplants provide is they provide stool from a donor, and that stool is populated with all the good bacteria that normally resides in our bowel. And that's, that, that sample, if you will, is then put into the gut of the patient who's, who has C. diff colitis. And when you do that, you repopulate all the, all the normal bacteria. And so the way, the way vancomycin works is to kill the C. difficile. The way a fecal transplant works is to repopulate the good bacteria to suppress the production of the bad bacteria, which in this case is C. diff. Thanks. Yeah, that's uh, that's important to know. Fecal transplants are not something that I think the average person knows about. And I guess the thing about where you're actually taking the stool of another individual and implanting it into the affected C. diff uh, patient Sounds a little radical, but apparently it's very effective, as you just said, correct? It's very effective and oftentimes can be life-saving, yes. That's good information. Let me ask you just one or two more questions. I can't believe this uh, episode has just flown by. So you talked about that children actually are also at risk for C. diff. How about just the general community, general population? What is the, the risk level? for the general American population? So if, if hospitalized patients, about 1% of all patients in the hospital, or hospital, or 1% of patients that are hospitalized will get C. diff colitis. It's important to note that there is such a thing as community-associated C. diff colitis. And these are patients who have not been hospitalized, have not been on antibiotics, okay? and um, uh, develop C. diff colitis. So what I don't want our, our listeners to, to, to think is I don't want them to think just because I haven't been in the hospital, just because I haven't gotten any recent antibiotics, there's no way I can have C. diff. You still could. It's not common, but it's still possible, and your doctor should check you for it. Thanks. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely something that should be on your checklist when you have uh, symptoms that you talked about earlier regardless of age. So doctor, I've got one, uh, one question for you uh, before I let you go, kind of like a, a parting tip for our listeners. What would you say to our listeners if they are in a nursing home or they have a loved one in a nursing home or a senior care facility and they're starting to show symptoms of C. diff, what would be the action steps to take to try to nip it in the bud. Yes. So if one of our one, if, so if an elderly patient 
is in a nursing home and begins to develop diarrhea, abdominal pain, fevers, nausea, or vomiting, whether they've gotten recent antibiotics or not, they should notify the provider, the nurse, and the physician immediately. And that patient should be checked with not only a stool sample to make sure C. diff isn't present, but also with laboratory to make sure the kidneys are not getting affected from the diarrhea in terms of dehydration, and to check the white blood cell count to make sure it's not elevated due to the severe colitis. And it's not something they should wait on. They should notify the providers immediately. So, Dr. John, the clock is ticked down to zero on our episode today. And I, I have to say, again, the information was exemplary. I'm really so happy that we have you as our resident infectious disease expert. And I'm going to get you back again soon to uh, cover another topic For our injured senior and elderly community who are interested in finding out more about C. diff or interested in talking to you about it, how can they get in touch with you? So the best way to get in touch with me is via email. My email address is jcasconee77 at gmail.com. Fantastic. Thanks again, Dr. Cascone, or Dr. John, as I refer to him. So injured senior and elderly population, uh, we've come to the end of the program. As I said, if you have any questions about an injury to a senior or elderly person, such as C. diff, please feel free to email me at info at injuredseniorhotline.com. You can always go to our website uh, with some good information on there, www.injuredseniorhotline.com. Now, if you like the content we discussed today in this episode, please head on over to the show notes where you will find a summary of today's show and any important links we mention in this episode. Also, always feel free to reach out to me about your own story as an injured senior or elderly individual. Again, at info at injuredseniorhotline.com. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Be sure to tune in to next week's show, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast with Steve H. Heisler. If you enjoyed the podcast, Please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more or to get help anytime, go to InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 855-622-6530. We'll see you next time.